Technological developments have had as great an impact on our lives as these two idiots. Stop telling me you two are pretty good. Best in the company. Golly, I'm so impressed. You're talking about line of sight. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Welcome to Line of Sight. This is episode 166 for the week of November the 6th. Oh no, December the 6th. (laughs) We're we're already in December. December 6th, 2022. Talking about what we watched in November. My name is Adam. And my name is Nathan. And yeah, we'll be uh, talking what we watched in November... How was your November, Nathan? Uh, it is good. I don't even have my letterbox pulled up here. I have a feeling it's pretty loose. I'm, uh, I had one that I didn't even finish. Mm. A movie that I haven't posted yet. I feel like my content is low again. Uh, it will be more in December just by theatrical releases but uh november was good enough how about yourself (laughs) well i didn't think i watched a lot in november but when i'm looking i'm remembering i was sick for a week early on and i watched a ton of stuff (laughs) or at least uh well i'll start it off uh just by saying when I was sick, there was a day I watched all of Pride and Prejudice, the BBC series. So that was a good thing because it's like, instead of watching a, a few movies, it's like, no, I'm going to watch six hours of this miniseries. I think it's six hours. Um, so, uh, but I think I kind of talked about it last time, how November... Uh, at least the beginning of November, I do like to lead up to uh, Remembrance Day. We watched All Quiet on the Western Front. Or is it All Quiet on the Western Front? <laughs> I don't know how I was saying it before. Maybe it's the same. So there were a few more war movies that I did fit in there. And then I kind of got tapped out on that. There were a few things that I wanted to watch and didn't. So, um, yeah. Uh, and then I got into Christmas movies because after it was pretty much right after the 11th, we had started our Christmas movie watching. Um, that's usually when Brenda will start decorating for Christmas. Used to be a rule that Christmas things cannot start until after my birthday. And then she complained that that's not enough time. And here we are. And now it's, We've been at it for over, well, almost a month now, uh, Christmasing. So um, I have watched quite a bit, but some of that is just rewatches of Christmas specials and stuff like that. So it, it probably looks worse than it really is. And uh, and yeah, that, that's how that went. So 
Um, how's your Christmas shopping going? <laughs> you haven't started. Uh, haven't started, but the kids are kind of taken care of. I will probably take them each out to buy something for each other and mom. But then uh, I know what I need to get. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's pretty calm. I'll do something. But, yeah, I don't have many people to get for. And even our extended family, we've calmed down quite a bit. Like, yeah, there's too many cousins and stuff to get for everyone now. So, yeah, it's usually just like stuff for uh new kids so my <laughs> sister's <laughs> kid when they're the youngest they still get spoiled but besides them and that's the thing it's funny but like the kids they don't care like they do care but they don't care where it's just like they'll go back and play with their old toys or do something else or whatever like yeah gonna probably get max trying to figure out which one he wants but one video game so something for nintendo either splatoon 3 or that mario and rabbits game mm-hmm. or super smash brothers so mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure out that but yeah nothing crazy how about you all done wrapped perfectly all how, how here's a question do you put presents under the tree uh pre christmas eve yes uh usually right. not necessarily not necessarily as they're wrapped it depends on what they are but um yeah usually leading up to christmas i'll be wrapping things and they will end up under the tree sometimes with or without tags just to keep them guessing yeah. <laughs> uh and yeah, like <clears throat> I don't have a lot to buy for uh, extended family. We do the Secret Santa thing, and uh, I mean, kids. I feel like they're already taking care of. Brenda's really on the ball with that stuff through the year. Like, oh, this will be right. for Christmas, but it's June. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I I spend a bit of time tonight before coming home. I was like, oh, I gotta find this thing. And I actually found what I was looking for, so that was nice. And I'm almost done. There's a couple little things, but uh, getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I procrastinate. I put it off. It always seems to work out. <laughs> and I wrap on the last minute. But that's the other thing. I, I, it looks nice to have presents under the tree, but I like not having anything there till Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. Yeah, it does add some magic when a bunch of things appear. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Santa hasn't come yet. Yeah. Am I frozen? You are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's bound to happen. We're, yeah, we're gonna... I don't know why. Like, come on, Skype. But whatever. Uh, I feel like I had something else to ask you, but I guess not. 
I don't know. So did you see any of these trailers? Yeah. So there was a ton that dropped on like within 24 hours of each other. Yeah. A bunch on December 1st, I feel. And then like, I think Mario was like a couple days before that maybe. But then on December 1st, there was Transformers, which I had no idea was coming out. Neither did I. And then Indiana Jones and Guardians. So those three for sure were all on the same day. And then I think Mario was around there, either just before or just after. I Yeah, I think I saw them all the same day. I didn't know about any of them coming, like, surprisingly, because a lot of the time it's like new trailer coming in one week and it's like a pre-trailer trailer and all this stuff but yeah. these all just showed up and it was a pleasant surprise um and yeah transformers i didn't even know this was being made uh the other ones i obviously knew about um but the transformers rise of the beasts i don't think it looks like it will be a great movie but like it it makes me excited to see it uh, in a way that I didn't think I could be for another Transformers movie. And I don't know what it is about it, the classic designs or... I think that helps a lot. That's the only thing I'm interested in. Like, everything like, looks cool. And it gives me the feelings of the first Transformers. And was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Like, just look at these giant robots. And maybe there's just been some distance between seeing other ones and... I don't know. Is this? I have, didn't even look. Who's it directed by? I don't know. I assume it's not Michael Bay. Yeah. So maybe that has something would... to do with it too. Everyone's burnt yeah. out on Bay Transformers because Bumblebee, as we've said, is pretty good. Um, and that wasn't him. Rise of the Beast. What the heck? <laughs> the two names for the stars that came up. I. Michelle Yeoh, Pete Davidson, and Peter Dinklage. It's like those people are not in the trailers, but two of them are at least voices, so that makes sense. Um, it's. I was gonna say you were gonna. I thought, yeah, the director. My guess is the guy's name is Al Garitham. <laughs> just <laughs> a AI program created this movie, and just. Well. You may be in for a surprise because it is Stephen Capel Jr., director of Creed Two. Okay. Um, I don't recognize his other known fours. Um, yeah, there's something called The Land, but I know that that's not the ride that you love. <laughs> Disney. I do love that ride. Holy cow. I do love that ride. So. Living with the land at Epcot. It might be my favorite ride. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's Transformers. And then what else? There is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah, I don't think that name sounds good. No, and that, I think, it's... is the reveal of the name. I don't think that was out there until the trailer. Okay. Yeah, so I'm a little underwhelmed. I do like the, uh, what do you call it? Not 
like what's a trend the trend of movies like changing the theme like slowing it down or whatever so they have a little indiana jones i think at the end there where it's like the theme is Mm -hmm. just sounds different or uh usually it's slowed down and i know ghostbusters has done that even i think uh they might have done that in last jedi with like leia's theme or something or one of the trailers for sure in multiple trailers there's different themes that they've done a slow piano version yeah jurassic park did it like everyone's doing it and it's like you know what i'm a sucker for it i like it i know what you're doing and i accept it it's just like that's fine as far as indiana the trailer itself i'm fine with it i have uh some sneaky suspicions of what i think is gonna happen in it because uh and this is from watching some youtube videos discussing it too not that they have inside knowledge but just like what they're guessing from the trailer and the title and stuff and they're saying time travel because like you see him young so it's like unless they're that's just like a flashback but then they're saying like he's in multiple outfits young so then it's like that should be that's a little different or whatever so yeah just whatever i'm fine with it. it hopefully the director seems capable. So he's made some good things. So that's where I have my hopes up. But then Steven Spielberg and George Lucas have made some good things too. And they gave us the Crystal Skull. Which I do not hate. But I think the first half is way better than the second half. Yeah, I know so. that there's good things in it. But then not all yeah. of it. And I will say... There's something like everyone talked about like the prequels being bad because like the lack of practical effects for Star Wars. And then like J.J. Abrams, they like made a point and like you could tell these things were puppets and like things weren't moving Mm -hmm. naturally. And it's like, no, that kind of is fun because it's more Star Warsy, but that doesn't make a good movie you can make a green screen good movie yeah i think so i won't say indiana jones is going to be bad because but there does seem to be a lot of cg in it where it's like you could just have more practical simple set pieces that are still exciting We'll see. I have hopes for it. I'm not... I'm obviously a fan, but I'm not a huge, crazy fan that if it's not that good, I'll be super disappointed or something. Yeah, I don't know if that's because of the Crystal Skull or just how I feel about the franchise, but I'm kind of the same. It's like, I don't really... If it's bad, it won't offend me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not... I think it's also just age. Things aren't... I don't care as much (laughs) about anything, like, entertainment-wise, or it's like, yeah, I'll check it out, but it doesn't... uh, 
Flash Jedi has destroyed all <laughs> hope. So there's it's fine. There's nothing. Uh, yeah, the Dial of Destiny seems like it could be a good time. I think there will be. I yeah. I think it will be better than Crystal Skull, but yeah. That trailer was funny though because he's like, I don't believe in magic, but I've seen some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you've seen a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, and to say magic, it's like right. a lot of it's not magic. It's right. like, like spiritual usually. Like <laughs> Yeah, but it's just like top of my head. Like It made me think right away, well, technically his eyes are shut when everyone gets destroyed yeah and but it's like well but when you open them everyone was dead so (laughs) something happened but then it's like you literally saw your dad get healed by pouring a cup of water on him so it's like you've seen not to mention the other two ripped out of chests and (laughs) set on fire and like yeah there's aliens yeah (laughs) Yeah, so whatever. You've seen a car boat fall off a waterfall and land on a tree like Looney Tunes. <laughs> that alone. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, and then what? Oh, Guardians. Yeah, so there was the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and then right after, they dropped a trailer for Volume 3. So that, that was a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect that. Um, did you watch the holiday special? I did. That's on my list. I didn't rank it or rate it because it's only 45 minutes. Yeah. So it's kind of tough to uh, justify. But, yeah, I guess we could start with this. It was What else was there? Mario, we could talk about Chris Pratt's voice. And what was the other one? Guardians. So, yeah. Uh, the holiday special. I did not care for it. It was not funny. It was not good. It was fine. But, like, I don't get this... Like, I like those move, those two movies. They're fun characters, and they're fun in the Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, but what is this, like, praise for <laughs> this movie? Like, especially since, like, what it turns out to be is just Mantis and Drax. And I don't find their humor fun. Like that they're just dumb and they don't understand anything. <laughs> I thought it was uh, it was good. I didn't think it was amazing. Um, like, but good? Did you laugh? Yeah, I'm sure I did multiple times. Oh boy. Um, I can't tell you at what. I don't recall, but uh, I do enjoy both Drax and Mantis. Uh, I especially liked mantis in this and how she was kind of the main focus get to see more of her and um 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's not a movie, though. That's the thing. Uh, no. I did rate it, even though it, <laughs> it goes against all the oh, rules. Boy. But uh, I... I enjoyed it as a holiday special, and that was exactly what it was. It was a short little story, musical numbers. I really enjoyed the um, the Christmas element of it, um, especially the scene where all the lights are being turned on. And, yes, that was and nice. And Quill's walking through, and there's the Smashing Pumpkins song, and it's like, that is a great moment. It like kind of justifies the whole thing <laughs> that it's like, oh, it's this nice thing, and then it kind of like turns when uh, he realizes they kidnapped Kevin Bacon. But yeah, I I will have to say I didn't laugh, but I did find it funny. That was I just like the box shaking and him realizing something's alive in there. Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, no, there's there were a few things I liked. Uh, the I'm sure I laughed at Groot at certain points. Uh, I'm not crazy about the new look of him and and the, the short, like stocky. Yeah, like it seems. It's like I could see this being a version of Groot, but I feel like it's the wrong direction based on the previous stage he was just in. Like, I thought in uh, Endgame or Infinity War more so, like, he was good because, like, he seemed like an awkward, lanky teenager size. Yeah. And then it's like, and now he seems, like, bulky but not tall. Yeah, he seems like now he's, like, athletic jock teenager. Okay. That's what I was getting. And it's like, I don't feel like, I don't know. uh Knowing what his like full adult self looks like, it just kind of seems like that, but like squished down, but like right. not squeezed in. So it's, I don't know, it's a little weird. But then, yeah, so the volume three trailer drops and then you see him and he looks the same in that. So it's like, I guess they knew these are going to be back to back. So uh, we'll just keep the look. But. I don't know. I I have doubts. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but otherwise, the the rest of that trailer. Well, yeah. I don't know if you have anything more to say about uh, the. I only watched the special. trailer once. Yeah, I don't have. I just didn't. I liked it. I don't think it was as good it. as Werewolf by Night, the other special that they've done this year. Um, I liked it. It's like it was a fun watch with the family and uh if you like guardians of the galaxy check it out it's not like groundbreaking it does have a couple little nuggets of information in it but it's also like i think i heard that it was required viewing for before you see the third one it's like i feel like you don't need to and the one thing in it that people are treating like a huge spoiler it's like I think you could deduce that on your own. It's not really a revelation. What, what is that? So I, oh, uh, the the uh, the end thing, the mantis thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure I heard it even before seeing it. So it's and I was like, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. 
Like, <laughs> I don't think that matters. And that will be some exposition at the beginning. of. Yeah, the they're definitely going to re-say it. And then it's like, this isn't required viewing. It's like, yeah, it, it might be uh, an amuse-bouche for <laughs> the main course <laughs> of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Which, yeah, the trailer itself... It doesn't show you a ton of story. It's just like a lot of things happening really quickly and uh, some characters here and there. And um, I don't even remember what the song is. I'm sure it's something, but uh, I watched it a couple times and showed Alexis because there's like the animal people. I'm like, oh, she'll like this. There's a man that looks like a rabbit. She'll like that. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I love the, the other two, so I'm sure this one, it's got the same feeling of it. This is where, like, um, with the Taika Waititi Thor movies, where it's, like, the same director, but the two movies are just, like, they kind of have the same feeling, but the second one, no one seems to like. I enjoyed it, but I do agree it's off. Uh, but I think James Gunn's got a pretty a better handle on the tone for all three of these, and I think that this will be his like finale. Yeah, I think the first two fit together yeah. nicely, so I would hope they they stick with it. Uh, yeah, I think there will be potentially good things. Yeah, I follow Chris Pratt. He says some crazy special things are happening in this movie, but he also promised me that Jurassic World Dominion was going to be something groundbreaking as well. So he'll hype anything. Yes. Uh, but yeah, and great to follow. <laughs> talk to uh, talking about Chris Pratt just to get it on record. I do not like his Mario voice. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with everyone else that they think it's good. No, I, it's just I don't like, think everyone thinks it's good. There, well, a lot of people seem to have no problems with it. I don't. I have feel a like problem, it's like but I also don't think we. I feel like enough. you or anyone that's like goofing around and like will do like little impressions <laughs> of people and like get a good sentence of something. Yeah, it's like that's the level of like it's just like. Yeah, I don't. It know. is it's definitely like, a marketing move rather than which is creative. which is so yeah because it's just like which makes sense, but at the same time, like how many more people are gonna see this? It's like it's a kids movie. Yeah, I understand they always do that, but it's just like the Lion King had some big names in it, but at the same time, not really. Like besides. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was anyone going to see that because of Matthew Broderick or James Earl Jones and I feel like all the other Disney stuff before that is like make your billions of dollars you don't need if I was in charge of animation unless they're actually talented with their voice I would not be hiring a-list celebrities just for the sake of it yeah i don't know 
I, it bothers me I, because I feel like this could be a really good movie because it feels like, yeah, it's fun characters. They haven't used up stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we've never had a Mario movie like this. So it's like, we can get all this brand new, fresh stuff. Yeah. And I think it looks good. I mean, like yeah. f- all the character design, it's, I, I like what they're doing where it's not exactly just use the models from the game. Like they're, they're a little different, but they're not too different. So it just kind no. of makes its own style so that it can be, you can differentiate yeah, things. But it's not uh ugly Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> in any so way. they're not like going too like, crazy. I feel like it's just like, Toy Story 4 versus Toy Story, where it's like just like, not, but it's just like it looks good. And like when I play Mario Kart, it's like, yeah, these guys look the same. I obviously there's different sizes with Donkey Kong and Bowser and stuff, so whatever. But like, yeah, it's not the exact same as the games, but. I don't think the games are all the same either. So, yeah, I mean, generally these days, I feel like not a lot's changed with Mario's look since I don't even know, like the Wii version of Super Mario Brothers. Like, uh, yeah. So these designs—they're pretty close. Uh, they're subtly different, and yeah, so far all the voices to me like even luigi is charlie day which is weird because it's like the lego movie had chris pratt and charlie day uh he was the spaceman and then um i don't know if there's anyone else from that that's in this but uh i feel like the lego movie has something to do with him like chris pratt being cast as mario because it's like well he was in that and that did well so all right uh, another algorithm thing (laughs) yeah like this equals money (laughs) you're right and and it's just funny because like his character in that is like meant to be played yeah like average joe and i feel like his voice in that is not exactly his normal speaking voice but it's not crazy far off it's and yeah, it, it's pretty it's kind of like andy, andy and it's yeah. just yeah and it's just like yeah you're a perfect every man you're not an italian cartoon plumber necessarily uh and that actually reminds me like i like luigi's voice peach i'm not keen on because it's like too modern woman sounding where it's like yeah I don't that one is the most be... off, I would say. But yeah, people I don't, don't need... care because it's like, oh, Anya Taylor-Joy, she's hot right now. Like, Yeah, and she's, it's just like, not that Peach is a major side character. Like, I mean, like, but it's just like, it's not the main, main character. So I feel like it's yeah. focused. The heat comes to Mario. But yeah, like her, it's yeah. like, why are you talking like a, modern woman yeah like you know what i mean like even disney stuff it's like 
no one Ariel and Bell, no one speaks like them. But <laughs> like in real life, like it, they feel like they're in that world. Whereas like yeah, uh, <laughs> there's so many things uh with Little Mermaid coming out. Um everyone's like, "Oh, Black Ariel, Black Ariel." But it's like there are some other really messed up things with casting and like design that I've seen for this movie. Have you seen an Ursula yet? I haven't seen Ursula. I don't know if it was a real picture or not because it looked like a fan-made thing. But yeah, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. It's like that is wrong. I don't care well, how she plays it. That's not well, going to be good. And like, what is that? That is just like, oh, because she's fat. She's fat, and then it's going to obviously be more comical. I'm guessing. Uh, it's like yeah. I don't know cast like octavia spencer or something like i think just if you wanted a fat <laughs> actress ha, like, but, but yeah uh but the big thing for me is aquafina as scuttle i think is gonna be terrible because like i, I don't know what you would know her from but like she was a voice in um uh, or she was in Sh- Shang Chi. Did you see that? Oh yeah, she was the. I see all of them. <laughs> she was the side chick. Um, oh, the like sidekick. Yeah, the it, arrow woman. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, uh, awkward female right. comic relief, and it's like she's just gonna play herself being scuttled, and it's like talk about a modern woman voice that's what that's going to be and it's like mm-hmm. but then you have buddy hackett being a cartoon character which is what it is <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. and it's not like i'm up in arms like you can't have her she's asian it's like no because she's not going to do a, a performance well she's going to make it her own and it's going to be its own thing it's like her own thing's going to suck i can tell you that well they've all sucked I've not seen them, but I, uh, hey, I, I looked at a thing, talk about wasting time here, but, uh, I looked at, uh, Rotten Tomatoes or something that came up on my feed, most anticipated movies of 2024. There's like, uh, Mufasa prequel coming out apparently. Yeah, actually I saw that. <laughs> They just can't let this thing go. Yeah. But yeah, I know. It's not... They're not good. It's a weird thing because it's just like the 101 Dalmatians before this became a thing, but then they did the live action 101 Dalmatian. And there was something special about seeing a lot of Dalmatian <laughs> dogs together. I feel like that was the selling point. But... I don't know. I'm kind of interested to watch that. I feel like I watched it not that long ago. But these other ones where it's like, man, it's just like, yeah, we got to make it our own, but take some from it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I should do a deep dive. I don't want to because it looks bad. Uh, but like, why aren't these good? We will. 
We will definitely yeah. go through them. And, no matter My first how much thought you is the most original. Like they're all kind of taken from something, but I feel like the more like the Jungle Book. The Jungle Book is a thing outside of Disney. The more it is its own thing, I think the better the movie it is. Where it's like they, but then the more where it's just like we have our own the source material is our own movie like not that there's something else not out there but like it's like i feel like the strength is not there that's a theory that's a guess (laughs) just because i remember cinderella and jungle book not being that bad but like Cinderella works because like they did ever after like that story just works by itself. So it's like, yeah. But when they're trying to too much, just make a cartoon, but like everything is, I don't know, because I don't think this theory really works perfectly. We'll see. But like the Lion King, I don't know. I haven't seen all these things. So I don't know. (laughs) I mean, some of them, yeah, I think the thing is, if you've seen the original, there there's very slim chance you're ever going to say, yes, this remake is even better. You're, you, you're almost always going to say, this sucks compared to the original. But at the same time, it's for a new audience, and I will defer to Aladdin. Uh, that was the first movie that... My daughter saw at the drive-in, the live-action Aladdin, and I'm sure she likes that more than the cartoon because that's what she saw. And it has its own appeals to her. I don't think it's better. I definitely think the cartoon's better, but I I think it's passable as a movie. So, um, I don't know. I'm sure more people, old people dislike it, young people will like it. And you decide where where you fall, <laughs> old or young. Alrighty, you want to kick this off? Yeah, I'm. I wasn't sure where I had ended. Did I talk about King Kong last month? I don't think so. I think I talked about Barbarian, but... Um, That's another... There's a King Kong versus Godzilla 2 coming out. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, good. This is the right response. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> that's but one of the I, ones where it's like, I don't care, but I'll probably watch it and enjoy it and then be like, yeah, that, I like that. Thanks for making that for me. Uh, <laughs> but I don't... I'm not invested in the series. Uh, we reviewed it, and it's like, yeah, I like these, but I'm not like, yes, King Kong. Uh, but Skull Island's awesome. Uh, but yes, this one, 1933, the original King Kong. Um, this is one of those. Uh, it's on the list. I have to watch these movies, or else I'm not a true cinephile or I haven't watched the classics and can't appreciate things. Uh, 
this I didn't love. I it reminded me a lot of the Peter Jackson one. It's talking about what one you see first. I get that this is like groundbreaking for the time and uh, the effects and all that. But uh, just the story, like I thought, well, Peter Jackson actually made this into uh, a very entertaining blockbuster. Um, so it was it was all right. Uh, I gave it, it's probably a, a classitosis bump uh, to the three and a half that I gave it because I wasn't that into it. But it's also... 104 minutes so it doesn't take quite as long as the peter jackson one so that's always nice nice yeah no i uh, i've seen it once i like to watch it again but yeah it, i do like the like creature effects and stuff yeah that's sure. the big draw but i was checked out pretty early <laughs> to it like uh leading up to the stuff is actually pretty good and then i think by the second half it is just a lot of running around and stuff like creature stuff and i don't know it was i'm a little past it so um it wasn't gripping me like wow is that giant gorilla really there like <laughs> but it was cool seeing some of the shots where it's like trying to figure out like oh okay yeah that's how they did that that's that's cool so that's kind of interesting but have you seen the 70s one no i'd check that out if you have it yeah i would i would watch other sure. ones um yeah i think that's the like there are other ones but i think that's the other like big one yeah uh, that would be the with, one that the uh, universal ride was made after yeah and yeah, it's, it has the twin towers in it and stuff instead of the Empire State Building. Yeah, there's also Son of Kong, and there was something else uh, I saw somewhere where it's like I don't think it's called Bride of Kong, but it's like King. Kong, I don't even know if maybe it's King Kong Two or something. But like there was a female gorilla and he like king kong didn't die in the first one and he wakes up and i don't know it's like I'll, exactly i check it out <laughs> yeah uh just because i don't have that many uh i rewatched top gun maverick on 4k this is the best 4k i've ever seen I feel like I've enjoyed it more than seeing it in theaters just because like in a weird, this is a crazy statement, but the screen is smaller. Like you can really, <laughs> it's almost like it's not as overwhelming or whatever, but maybe right. it's just because I've seen it so many times now where it's like picking up other details and it feels nice and crisp and clear and beautiful and it's a lot of fun and very simple, but yeah. And the Lady Gaga music video is the best. <laughs> I love the Gaga. So, yeah. 
It's back in theaters. They're still making money. I got uh, the Blu-ray for my birthday. Nice. Um, the Kong sequel I was talking about is called Conga. Nice. <laughs> I think. Uh, well, maybe not. But there is a Queen Kong also I saw. And it looks like it's in London maybe because there's like uh, Big Ben. Uh, I watched... Oh, this is a new movie, also uh, 2022. See How They Run. Do you know about this movie? No, but I've heard that title. Um, I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks amazing. And it came out in theaters and then very shortly after, it's on Disney+. Plus. I was like, awesome and i watched it like late night whenever i realized i watched it very quickly um it stars um mr justin hammer himself sam rockwell and sarsha ronan uh adrian brody um and a bunch of other people I don't really know other than David Oyelowo, <laughs> however you say his name. Uh, it's a murder mystery um, and set in the 1950s London. Uh, Sam Rockwell is the detective assigned to the case and it takes place in a theater uh and it's kind of trying to be a little meta where it's like the theater is putting on a play of a is it agatha christie or um there's like real people in it because one of the actors uh on the stage is young uh richard attenborough or Dicky, as he tells people to call him. Um, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, the play, I forget if it is an Agatha Christie play, and if it, I don't even know if it's a real thing, but it was a, it's definitely a real writer. Um, I don't know. It's not coming up. But uh, so, yeah, the inspector, I guess he's not a detective, inspector. Um, Inspector Rockwell is uh, on the case and Saoirse Ronan is like the rookie and she's a real go-getter and she's always like any clue that comes up and it's like anything that could point to a motive it's like she just kind of runs with it and then it's like case closed and it's like no it's not closed <laughs> like <laughs> she's just really uh enthusiastic so she is definitely the best part like she's got her irish accent which is always great and uh just her personality and everything she's definitely the best part of it i would have given it a lower score if not for her i would like i was actually kind of bored with the um plot 
uh but she shines in it and even sam rockwell it's like it's kind of his character he's a little like mumbly and drab but in contrast to her uh but yeah the it's no knives out but you can kind of feel like oh they're this is the time we've got knives out we've got murder on the orient express all these murder mystery things so it's like maybe trying to cash in on that um it was worth watching but it's definitely not like amazing but uh it won't happen but give her a nomination for this movie i think <laughs> best supporting actress should go to Sir ronan for see how they run uh available on disney plus nice do you have a lot i have that i would like to speak on one two three four five i can skip a lot of these six seven eight nine ten 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 definite like mentions okay then i'll i think i have like six uh rewatch casablanca beautiful movie cried even with the commentary there's another commentary on there where rewatch it again uh we shall do it sometime in the future but uh it is the best it actually uh i watched another movie called the breaking point which i'll get into later uh because it's from the same director so just thought i'd check that out but Casablanca, the Roger Ebert commentary is so entertaining and informative. <laughs> and he said he sat down with someone at some film festival and went by through the movie shot by shot, analyzing it before. <laughs> and he's just discussing it. So it's so much fun. It, he's really fun because he points out all the stuff that makes no sense in the movie. And it's like, but it's a movie, uh, and you're not meant to think about these things. Where <laughs> it's like the the practicality, and the most obvious one is so there's the MacGuffin, is these letters of transit, uh, supposed to be signed by Charles de Gaulle, who I think is like the uh, exiled prime minister. Or president of France at the time who has a not fake but like government in London while the Nazis have taken over France and then there's the Vichy 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 uh, government of France who's uh, pretty much taking orders from the Nazis or whatever and it's just like he's talking about these letters and like the that's the background of the whole movie is like it makes no sense why would an exiled government's letters of transport have any power in Vichy controlled Casablanca so it's like 
<laughs> your exiled government, the government that's conspiring with the Nazis. Why would this letter from your old leader have any power? And then on top of that, the Nazis have strength or whatever, or can uh, use their influence in Casablanca. Why would they even listen to the letters? Like it's just like okay, yes, you have these letters of transports. So what? Like it's not like it's beyond the Nazis not to listen to rules. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just like <laughs> all this stuff is like yeah, that is. And there's other stuff where it's just like yeah, a bunch of little things, and it's like yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you don't really think of it, and whatever. Movie's amazing. Uh, yeah, love it. A lot of fun. I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I thought that that movie would be higher on your top 100, but maybe it is high and (laughs) I'm just forgetting. It's in the top 10. Okay, I guess that makes sense. I think, think, is it in the top three? Like, is it number three? I think Beauty and the Beast is number three. So it's probably like number five or four. Okay. Uh -uh. Okay, well, I stand corrected, I guess. (laughs) That's pretty high. Um, So I watched... Number four. I think I have it as number four. Okay. I'll trust you um oh technically i'm not gonna go into this one but technically before uh remembrance day we did watch a movie with christmas in it it's kind of a halloween and christmas movie we re-watched mean girls which i enjoyed um and then i watched Little Women from 2019. This is also okay. a Christmas movie, I guess. It's got Christmas yeah, I in guess it. So. Um, I think it, I think you could actually say that it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, and Brenda because watches the Christmas is a point in it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's as much a Christmas movie as It's a Wonderful Life. Um, that just ends on Christmas. <laughs> majority of that doesn't take place on Christmas um but Little Women 2019 directed by uh Greta Gerwig also starring Saoirse Ronan I thought was good I didn't think it was amazing um it's one of those movies that uh it's like it's up there, but there's more things that are like taking me out of it or like I'm giving d- deductions for than being a lesser movie and being like, oh, I'm going to give it a little bump for that thing. <laughs> like what? What didn't you like? There there were some I, I didn't really like the uh, nonlinear storytelling. I've seen the other one, the 90s one. Uh, with when that one's really good. Winona Ryder, so I and I think I've probably seen it once. Um, so 
yeah, there were things I do I definitely liked, but I think that was a big thing was there were times when it's like does it need to be told this way? Is it adding anything by doing it this way? There were times when it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense that you would kind of do it in this order. Uh, I almost thought at first it's like, oh, they're just skipping right to this part. And then it's like, oh, no, now they're doing flashbacks. Okay, we're getting the full story. Um, But it happens way too often, and Mm. it's not confusing but there's things where it's like you're spoiling your own movie because it's like i don't mind it but there's the scene um i'm not as familiar with all the characters but um i know Lori is the the guy and what's the younger sister amy so amy's like oh i can't believe that uh, Joe rejected you and it's like that happens before you see the rejection later on and really before you even see any sort of semblance of something between those two so it's like there's little things like that and seeing uh, Emma Watson's character married and it's like so okay we know she marries that guy and like and it goes back and forth it's like I guess maybe to keep it fresh because maybe they just assume, well, people know this story, so it doesn't matter the way we tell it. But for me, having only seen the other one once and I'm watching this one, it's like, but I know that this happens. And then it's like, oh, okay, now it's happening. And it's like, I don't know. It was, that was taking me out. And I really, really dislike the ending. It actually brought it down a half star just for how it ended on the like and then i wrote my book little women and then it's like showing her walking around and uh it's kind of like the cap on everything where it's like and these people are together and i have this school and and it's just like i don't know it was just way too cheesy and on the nose (laughs) and i don't know i was rolling my eyes at that but like overall it's a well-made film but it's like you could have had the four and a half, but I I have to give you the four, no half. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's it did not uh, stick the landing for me, uh, but definitely better than like other things that I've watched this year where people talk highly of it. And it's like book smarts on your top 100, Steve. <laughs> like <laughs> this is better than book smart, but uh, yeah, it's it it's fine. It's just one of those where it's got a lot to live up to so i'm going to be i'm going to be docking marks <laughs> for things all really good performances i didn't really have any problem with the casting or anything i thought that was all really good um oh i think the other thing that kind of bothered me was um what do they call him the professor or whoever she ends up marrying at the end feels very just tacked on like there's no development with with that relationship because of the on the storytelling it's like you meet him at the beginning and then there's like the whole movie he's not there and then he shows up at the end and it's just like this is very not good storytelling like it's there's a way it's supposed to be told for a reason and you're kind of blowing it so. Yeah, just changing it for the sake of changing it. Yeah, it's like Batman Begins, amazing. 
the way that it bounces around and it float the story flows it doesn't matter that you're going to different places and different times it's like it tells the story perfectly uh funny enough right. um christian bale plays laurie in the <laughs> winona rider right. one uh and yeah I, that, that is the other thing not really knowing that movie that well um i can enjoy this one more but brenda was seeing parts of this and she's like yeah i don't think i'd be able to watch it because i'd be really annoyed with all these performances because they're not saying the things the way that they're supposed to be said or like how it is in the other movie and the only line that i really recall from uh the 90s one is kirsten dunst as young amy when Joe cuts her hair and she's like, yes. you're one beauty. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that, beauty or yeah, like that. that is like the best line. And <clears throat> Florence Pugh's okay in this, but because they also, there's the time jump and she doesn't really age. It's like, she plays a pretty good younger sister. I think she's a good actress, but I don't know. She's, uh, I think I hate her more in this one. Uh, she so it's like she's playing the part well, but it's like, man, Amy March sucks. <laughs> like yeah. she's just the worst. Um, and I, I'll I'll just go into it because they're kind of uh, related, sort of, just time period and what they are. But I mentioned Pride and Prejudice, um, and I know you love the movie. Um, I've only seen the BBC thing once. Yeah, so this is the first time. Where did you watch it? I I think I got it on DVD for about 50 cents for the whole thing. So uh, okay. it was from Resource. <laughs> uh, but yeah, talking about Amy March sucks. Um, who's the one Bennett... Lydia, is it Lydia that marries the the one guy? The soldier? Yeah. I think so. Man, she is the worst in this. Like they do a pretty good job of like she's mildly annoying at like the parties and stuff, but then once it gets into that story, it's like yeah, cut her out of your life. <laughs> like she just seems like the worst. But uh obviously she's playing the part and i think uh it's done well but yeah so i think six episodes um and i thought it was well paced with those like each one seemed to have its own plot uh like kind of like tv shows today um how it's like obviously there's there's the the overarching storyline but then each episode usually has one thing that it's about so um yeah that i thought that the pacing was really well done and uh i feel like the movie is mostly like episode one is like heavily <laughs> what the movie is about and then like a f and then pieces of all the rest i felt like episode one is exactly how the movie starts but uh yeah casting i think everyone good job all around um jennifer 
Eel. I don't know if that's how you say her name as Elizabeth Bennett is pretty good. I think I would prefer Kira Knightley, but I mean, performance wise, they're pretty good. Colin Firth, great Mr. Darcy. And then the other standout, Mrs. Bennett is awesome. (laughs) Uh, Both character and actress. Uh, I think Mr. Bennett in this is better than um, Donald Sutherland. Okay. I got to check this out. He's like, I have it. Yeah. He, I don't know. He seems more youthful. Uh, Not in just like he looks young, but like his like teasing of Mrs. Bennett and like, he's hilarious. I think in this where like, he's just egging her on and yeah, it's, uh, I want to count how many times Mr. Bennett like or Mr. Anyone there's so many Mr. Darcy Mr. Bingley like it's so good <laughs> I uh Mr. Wickham yeah I should rewatch it because I don't really remember it that much but then uh I've been it has it's not out physically but i think the bbc like remastered it okay so if you get like the bbc app or whatever you can watch it in 4k Hmm. and i heard this from some guy on a political podcast but he was just saying he's been watching re-watching it and saying like all the details are nice to watch or whatever but yeah i should check it out yeah i it actually makes me want to read the book like I've yeah. listened to podcasts about the book too and how good it is and other guys where they're saying like uh, Jane Austen is like top novelist. Like you could say she's in the top 10, top five maybe, but top 10 of all time of like command of language and like actually like She's up there with uh, some of the like Russian crime and punishment guys and stuff. So, yeah, no, it'd be good to check it out. Yeah, and I thought it was a really easy watch. I mean, I watched it in a day in bed. So, uh, and or did I? I, Now I'm doubting. Did I do it all in one day, or was it two days? But maybe I'm pretty sure it was one day because yeah, I was off it was weird it's like maybe it's some mutated form of covid but i tested a couple times and it was negative but it was like i was having flashbacks from the beginning of the year because i was getting the aches that i had then so it's like i i feel bad like taking work off (laughs) for being sick when it's like i could work from home but it's like i would just be so uncomfortable i would not be able to do anything like it was just my legs, like, I don't know what it is, like, yeah, I was just in physical pain from the body aches of whatever this cold was that I got, so spent the day in bed, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, oh, apparently, yes, I, that was my review, binge watched in one sick day, bingly watched, if you will, <laughs> good one, Adam, <laughs> Slapping your, giving your high fives. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't rate it. 
as it being a TV show, <laughs> I, I left it blank with a heart on Letterboxd. Nice. Uh, I watched Mickey, The Story of a Mouse, 2022 on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and it's just a uh, little documentary, 90-minute documentary on Mickey Mouse. And I love old Disney stuff anything to do with the parks or early animation or anything. I love the core history of the Walt Disney company, but this movie was not that good. And it seemed like it was made for Disney plus, which it was. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's fine. There are some insights that were somewhat interesting to me, more of the later stuff, but it was very, it felt like more of an extra feature than a true, actual, dedicated documentary. feels like this could have been tossed on, like, whatever, like, this is their 100th year anniversary, so we're going to toss this on some Blu-ray or whatever as a, bonus feature thing so i think it's that quality stuff there's some interesting stuff in there but then like i don't care about random people's opinion (laughs) like talking heads with like whatever color background and it's just like i don't need like sometimes it's fine like when it's like a man on the street thing to just like prove or just give like a little montage taste of like how famous Mickey Mouse would be. And you're just asking like describe Mickey and you just have a bunch of that stuff. But actual like sit down interviews with I think no one of consequence talking about this is like, okay. Yeah. And I would prefer just more pure information about Mickey Mouse and the history of it. And there were certain things, but like, yeah. And I think uh, like, isn't there some other Walt Disney documentary where it's like the early stuff would have been covered in that anyways. Right. Yeah. I've, I know that there was a PBS one or whatever. Uh, No, it's, it's interesting. And it is like, the whole like sound like and the popularity i don't think we register how popular he was yeah or is and like i heard recently like mario actually could compete with him perhaps but he's always like the most recognizable thing on earth type of thing like uh character (laughs) like and it's just like yeah what would compete with that the only thing that i would say yeah maybe mario maybe the superman logo or something but like what else (laughs) is at that level right and it's just it's this crazy thing because it's like does anyone really love mickey mouse 
And then it's like, I like him in parts, but like, not. Yeah. Well, he's 100 years old, so there's. Yeah. There's a lot of different Mickey content. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it does. It goes into that. And that was interesting that, like, he does come become domesticated and with some of the shorts. And, like, it's just like, yeah, those do suck in comparison like when he's not like not a troublemaker but like more of a cartoon and not just living in a house like a person yeah uh, like but uh yeah fine parts are fine i gave it a two and a half uh maybe it could be bumped up to a three but for what it is and like that Howard Ashman documentary was way more interesting and I think well put together these are before Disney Plus but I love that Waking Sleeping Beauty and the uh, Sherman Brothers one Mm -hmm. so it's like they do have they can make documentaries about themselves like they're not going to go crazy deep but like they do criticize themselves a little bit so there's some self-awareness but ultimately a little puff piece ish yeah yeah i was i saw it in the coming soon and i was like oh yeah maybe i'll watch that but i probably won't (laughs) because it's like there's so many other things and I'm going to forget about it and then it's just going to be washed away Um, and that review doesn't really make me interested (laughs) so yeah there's just there's so much content and do I really care like there are other Disney ones I would watch instead of that is is more what I mean have you watched the Imagineering stuff I'm pretty sure that was like one of the first things. On yeah, I think I watched all of them. Um, I was I'm actually still going through uh, the ILM one, but I'm pretty sure I finished Imagineering. Yeah. Um, See, that's that's, a, that's what I want. Yeah. The ILM like behind the scenes actual yeah. stories. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. I'm talking to people that matter yeah um talking about people that matter um does that statement apply to this steven spielberg matters but his movie from 2011 war horse uh it was all right um first time yeah first time watch uh watched a bunch of world war one movies for november this is one of them first time watch i knew it was a play but even if i didn't know that watching it i would have been like was this a play or something because there's so many times when it's like this is clearly just trying to emulate whatever happened on the stage like especially the way it ends it's like silhouettes with this like red sky background and it's like no one would shoot a movie like this it seems <laughs> like just how they would have ended the, the actual stage play 
Um, the first, how long is this? Uh, I want to say the first hour, but it's probably more than that is very not good. And it feels like Spielberg himself directed like 45 minutes of this toward the end. Not just not the ending, but like this little chunk where I forget how it starts, but there's like a great action sequence of the horse like running through the trenches and there's all this stuff going on around it and then it gets stuck in this barbed wire and then the two sides have you seen this no so yeah it's it's stuck in no man's land and then like an american and a german both like end up out there trying to save it and so they're like oh here's my tool like you can use it and i don't know they have a little moment and oh, I forgot to turn off the water heater. Um, and it's like, it's a great little thing. And then uh, it leads, that leads into other stuff in the climax where the horse is finally reunited with the boy. And it's like, all that seems like that was Mr. Spielberg doing his thing and it's great. But then the rest of the movie which is 146 minutes. So you have a, an, another 100 minutes of this movie that are just like, I don't know, standard stuff. Like, feels like a TV movie. Doesn't look great. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's okay. Like, the, the that one section definitely brings it up, but, like, the rest of it, it's like, yeah, I got it. Uh the horse goes from like being in this kid's possession to Tom Hiddleston buying it for the war. And then it goes from him to someone else. And then like, then it's on the German side and it goes from someone else to someone else is like showing the thing. And then finally gets back to the, the guy at the end. And it's not like super entertaining, uh, but even before the war part, there's the whole like breaking of the horse thing where it's like, oh, you'll never get that horse to plow your field. And then it's like, come on, Joey, or whatever the horse's name is. That might even be it. <laughs> Actually, it is. It is Joey. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's like the whole there's this thing with like the landlord is going to take the father's house because he spent all this money on this horse that he couldn't afford and then it's like oh i'll train him he'll do the work and then like the whole town is watching it's like ah look at him trying to train the horse and then obviously he eventually does it and it's like we did it we plowed the field but like that is a whole like i don't know how long it takes forever to do that and it's like yeah i guess you're building the story and the character and whatever, but it's like, I get it. You don't need to go through all this. We get it. Like we know what's going to happen. We understand the bond between this kid and the horse, which I don't know. Isn't even that great. I don't think <laughs> so. I don't know. It's not that the whole thing is a waste of time, but the majority of it feels like a waste of time. And, uh, yeah, just watch that, uh, horse running around and in, in the trenches is awesome. Like actually awesome. Like it's like, Oh, suddenly we're in a five-star movie. 
and then uh and then it kind of re- reverts back uh at the the very end so i enjoyed it but with that little asterisk of most of it sucks <laughs> but i still gave it a three and a half uh just because there it is legitimately great uh at that one section so check out 45 minutes of warhorse <laughs> nice uh just gotta keep giving these people my money i went and saw black adam oh and <laughs> yeah it it was a it was a ride I did not dislike this movie at all, uh, <laughs> in a weird way, but it is so all over the place, not even tonally, but just like what's going on. But, uh, I would have to say as far as like just pure enjoyment, uh, if I was rating it that way, it'd be very high. I had a good, enjoyable time watching it, and there was like only, I went with my brother and friend, and it was just, I think there was probably three other people, so six people total in the whole theater, so it was one of those relaxing, whatever, uh, times, but there's a ton of action in it, like, a ton, like, and I feel like the whole movie takes place over like two days, three days. Like he is released and then it's just like, we're just going to, it's almost, you wouldn't say like, oh, it's, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a real time superhero movie. It's not trying to do that or something, but it felt like okay, this is leading to this, this is this, and it's like, there's not a lot of, oh, they flew here, so that, like an Indiana Jones, where it's like, well, he flew here, so that would have taken a day here, and that, or whatever, like, it's just felt like this is all happening all at once, so, and parts of it, I thought The Rock was pretty good in it, uh, there's he doesn't understand stuff so there's some good humor in it even that i thought was amusing but then there's so much other just like crap that they add in i feel like this movie could be cut down by 20 minutes and made really fun and quick and just like tons of action like the action sequences were long and then there'd just be a little lull and then let's get back into fighting and the fights were actually i thought very watchable you could see what's going on uh some creative different uh superhero fights with uh they had the uh i don't know what he's called something adam like a-t-o-m so Uh, adam smasher yeah so like i guess Ant-Man's already done it, but it was just different kind of stuff with him, a person that big. So that was fun. The Falcon guy was awesome. 
like he looked good the fights were good all that kind of stuff so but then they're like the plot is just so stupid something the dialogue is so dumb uh a lot of the characters weren't that grading on me so that wasn't that bad even like the kids and stuff i like pierce brosnan there's another girl in it and she's like uh storm ish controls the weather uh so yeah there's lots of good stuff in it but like at the end they're fight like all these zombies essentially are coming out and the people are like we're gonna resist so it's like people getting tennis rackets and stuff to fight zombies and it's just so stupid it's like just cut that out entirely and uh because it's like connected with like shazam and all this kind of stuff the magic uh they go uh like there there's wizards and all this crap but then literally literally the bad guy like i think goes to hell and becomes the devil <laughs> or like has a demon or Satan himself come to fight Black Adam. I know this is spoiler, but I don't care. <laughs> but like, I just leaned over to my yeah. I just leaned over, uh, and my buddies a couple of seats down. Hey ho, listener to the show, and it's like, and it, I was in one of those moods. I wasn't really disturbing anyone because there was only three other people. But it's like. My favorite part is when they fight Satan. <laughs> like, it felt like I was like uh, channeling like Norm MacDonald. Like, how stupid is this? <laughs> like, it's like, he's like, li- like, I don't know what that creature is. I'm sure it's in the comics or whatever, but like, he has giant horns. Like, he's not quite Satan look from legend, mm-hmm. but he, it's like, and then like an upside down star with a circle whatever that is and it's like all these and it's just like okay so black adam is literally fighting the devil now uh this is great and it gets pretty violent but still cartoony violent but uh yeah i would definitely rewatch it <laughs> but there's awesome parts in it like that some of the action is fun some of the humor is fun or whatever. So I gave it a two and a half. I think my uh, review was the best and the worst. It is literally just like awesome, fun, stupid stuff. Like not taking itself seriously. Like I think the tone is good. Whereas like, yeah, it's not taking itself seriously. But then like frustratingly. So... <laughs> But then, uh, I do want to watch it because I think yeah, I would love to watch it with the group. Like, I'm sure it's great, just fun. Action wise, it was entertaining. Yeah. Like, and he's just killing people all like there's he kills a lot of people, so that's entertaining enough. One thing was interesting like, the kid in it has like his room has a ton of posters in it, so like Batman, Superman. Uh, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, but it's like the uh, the some of I wasn't like 
super paying attention, but I distinctly see like the, some of the Wonder Woman stuff. It's like that's from the Wonder Woman movie poster. Like, I don't know if it was the, I think it's the first one. I don't think it's the 1984 one, but like, there's like images of like Wonder Woman, like kneeling down and like, yeah, I don't know if it's in the sun, but it's like not quite the hard orange blue thing that everyone does, but like, yeah. And like a little bit of a silhouette of her and it's just like. But Wonder Woman is in this, like, it's just, like, <laughs> my rationale is, like, but technically doesn't Wonder Woman exist in this universe and stuff? And then uh, there's the extra stuff that everyone knows about with Superman, which was nothing, so whatever. <laughs> but... I would love to watch it again, actually. It's one of those, that, like, yeah, it's not good, but it's like, it did not make me angry at all. I was in a good mood when I watched it, but yeah. It's, uh, like, I think I gave Wakanda Forever two and a half. I would much rather watch Black Adam again because it just, like, felt bad in a best possible way. Yeah, I uh, did I have something like that? Maybe that's getting ahead of myself. Um, yeah. Um, okay, I watched so following up Warhorse. That was also in my run of being sick. Next day, I watched Saving Private Ryan. Pfft, night and day, Steven Spielberg, top of his game. Saving Private Ryan is amazing uh i don't need to go into it but it's probably gonna make it onto my top 100 when i officially release the revised list because it's like i you have these thoughts of it's like oh yeah it's good yeah that be that opening scene wow it's it's the best like normandy scene but the rest of the movie is amazing and the pacing is great and i love all the actors and like even though they're familiar people there's never like these big star moments like you could say um matt damon but even him like he's not i don't feel like he was even that big of a star at the time and like tom hanks i guess is would be the one but him being the main character he's kind of carrying it and probably one of the best Tom Hanks performances, if I'm being honest. Like, I think he's knocking it out of the park. Uh, I think I cried two or three times throughout it. <laughs> like, not just the end, but like, I forget where it was in the middle. I think, um, I think it was like, uh, Definitely when he cries, like when he's kind of hiding it uh, from the the squad and he's like off kind of stifling uh, his sobbing after the one guy dies. And what was the other part? I know the, the very ending was one, but there was definitely another part that kind of got me. But uh, yeah, old man at the end saying tell me I've 
had a good life or whatever. It is just hitting me. Um, yeah. Saving Private Ryan is like the definitive war movie for me. Uh, any war. It just rocks so much. Um, I gotta rewatch it. Like, I've seen it a number of times. I... Yeah, I'm not... I'm not in love with the last second half. I think it's all good. I like the second half a lot. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good... Um, emotional things but also just like it's not repetitive it doesn't feel like like they're running into new things and um i don't know the progression feels pretty natural uh yeah lots of, there's good humor in it too um i like all the all the characters and that adds to it just liking the people that you're with um not that it's like, oh yeah, this is my favorite guy, but like just their camaraderie and joking and all that stuff works really well. Um, so the flip side of this, a uh, couple days later, I watched The Thin Red Line for the first time. Mm. Uh, if Saving Private Ryan is Band of Brothers, Thin Red Line is The Pacific. <laughs> both in uh what they're about because uh band of brothers is about <laughs> the european campaign uh it doesn't start on d-day but it it uh ties into that um and then the pacific is obviously uh the pacific campaign and i think i know one of the big uh, settings for that is Guadalcanal and I know that that's that name is dropped in Thin Red Line but I didn't know I thought that for some reason I was thinking that it was also um, some uh, European thing maybe when I think World War II that's just where my mind goes but uh, directed by Terrence Malick uh, same year 98 and it's got quite the cast. Um, have you seen Thin Red Line? Yeah, but a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, on DVD, I borrowed it from the library, I remember. So I don't really remember it that much. I It's on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. So I know it's sitting there. I'd like to check it out again. I know that it's like slow. For sure. But then I there's some cool camera shots, for sure. So, I know... I've This is only the second Terrence Malick's uh, movie that I've seen. Uh, the other one being The New World. And I kind of felt the same thing about this that I did with that. Where it gets too artsy-fartsy, like... There's parts where I swear it was it. Uh, you could have asked, like, given a high school drama class, like, make a uh, a voiceover for a war movie, make it really deep and <laughs> whatever, and then right. and the, and 
And that's what ends up in this movie is these voiceovers. Multiple people are doing them. It doesn't really show them writing in journals. I don't really care about that. But like there'll be extended periods where people are just talking. And I I went with it for a while. But like by the end, I was just rolling my eyes at some of the things where it's just the most. Not that it's obvious, but it just feels like that like high school drama t- class where it's just like yeah. my hands are rough they're covered in dirt I see re- this is how much i don't remember <laughs> i did not remember that there was narration there yeah and it's not just one narrator it, you can it's different people at different times uh and yeah the, I, I don't even know what some of the things are but it's just that like tone and it's not uh, a narration where it's like we took the the hill and, and blah blah blah. It's like people's inner reflections, and I'm just like, oh, holy crap! Stop, please! Like it's it it got on my nerves uh, by the end, and I didn't mind like the the pace. Like it does start pretty slow because it like there's no real main character because it does bounce around from people. But Jim Caviezel's who it starts with. And he's kind of deserted his company and he's just living on this island with the natives and some other guy. And that goes on for what feels like a long time before. It's like, I thought this was a war movie. (laughs) It's just like some guy hanging out with all these indigenous people and like, and then finally gets picked up. And then, uh, yeah, it'll be like, okay, now it feels like a war movie. And then it'll just be people's musings for a while. And then, okay, now there's a battle and that that's all really good. And then the story just starts jumping around where it's like, I kind of need more story for my war movies where it's like, this is a clear goal. This is what they're trying to do, but it gets way too artsy for me to really enjoy it. So I was, I was forcing my way through it. It's a, 171 minutes yeah so it's long long, aimless like other than it's like yeah we get it war is brutal like got it (laughs) again like uh but yeah let's let's go through this cast here sean penn jim caviezel adrian brody elias coteus coteus uh aka casey jones John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, Nick Nolte, John C. Riley, who John C. Riley, like this is before he started doing comedy. And there's times where I'm like, who is this guy? And I would think that's like, oh, maybe it's this guy. It's like, no, he's he'd be way too old to be that actor. And then it's like, oh, yeah, John C. Riley. And then I'd forget that he's in it. And then you'd see him later. And it's like, who is this guy? <laughs> Just kept coming back. Uh, George Clooney is in one scene. John Travolta is in one scene. Um, Jared Leto, I think he dies pretty quickly and he's not really focused on, uh, Thomas Jane, Nick Stahl, Tim Blake Nelson, a lot of people in this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like the Pacific more. But that is a mini series. Uh, but it is kind of the same where it's uh, following three different stories, 
three different main characters. There is voiceover from each of them. So I think my uh, statement kind of stands where it is in comparison, Band of Brothers and the Pacific. Uh, but both of those, I think Band of Brothers is actually overall better than Saving Private Ryan, even though I just talked about how great it is. Right. Uh, but Band of Brothers is also way better than the Pacific, but the Pacific is also way better than the Thin Red Line. <laughs> so just watch the miniseries. Uh, if you're really a Terrence Malick head, uh, then go for it. But this was on someone's uh, top 100, maybe our friend Aaron. And I'm like, mm, no. Or maybe it was Trevor. <laughs> Trevor's a big war guy, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, I was not feeling it. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I know he made the tree of life, but the tree of life to me, what I know about it, it's like, I would be in for that, for that subject matter. Like if it's the same kind of like experimental artsy fartsy crap, that's fine in that movie. But in this war movie, I just felt like it was not hitting the mark. So. Yeah, I would. Uh, I like Trio Life quite a bit, but I think his most uh, easiest to uh, accessible uh, would be that I've seen would be the. Uh, oh, what's it called? A fountain. Something in life. <laughs> oh, um, a hidden life. Yeah, and that's. Not really a war movie, but it is dealing with uh, war and stuff. Oh, wait. He, that, I, I thought he did The Fountain, but he didn't. So, never mind. <laughs> so, I'd recommend you check out that. Like, that's slow or whatever, but it's beautiful. And the message is awesome. And, yeah. It's not very abstract at all. Yeah. But, uh. Also World War Two. Yeah. No, I got it. Well, I don't have to. But I wouldn't mind one day watching the Pacific. But next November, we should go through uh, Band of Brothers again. Yeah, Pacific, I think, is worth a watch. But it is way more depressing. And I think that's part of it is, like, Band of Brothers, you do have that, like, camaraderie and you like the characters and stuff. Uh, but the Pacific, you like some of them, but most of them are all jerks and they like, nobody gets along and they're all miserable. And so it like, doesn't help your viewing experience in terms of entertainment. Not that that's what all that's trying to be, but it just seems like the, the theater of war in the Pacific was, just way more brutal than even the most brutal stuff in Europe. So, um, I don't know. That's just what I recall of it. I've, I've probably watched the Pacific twice. So. Okay. Uh, what else do I have here? Uh, Uh, not much. Oh, 
the world's not enough. Slowly knocking some James Bonds off just because uh, it actually came out today on James Bonding. They were re-releasing it, so I was fresh to listen to their uh, The World's Not Enough episode. And not much to say about it. Uh, It is tonally all over the place. Like, it is wacko where like the quips and the jokes but then he it wants to be super serious with a bunch of things and then the fact that like Denise Richards is in there and everyone else is like she does not fit this movie one thing that I will give uh, James Bonding complete credit for pointing out this movie, and it's funny, uh, it's similar to Skyfall. And there's even, they were comparing all the similarities between them. And then uh, there's even more coming up in my head. It's the third on both Pierce and yeah. in, in Daniel Craig's era. The... Uh, how there's a bunch of things, but like MI6 gets attacked in both. They, after the attack, they both go to Scotland. M gets caught and is actually in it and is uh, captured by the villain in it. Uh, they had so many more. There, but like, there is like, and I think it's the same writers. Where it's like, we're just going to do this again and just like fix it <laughs> or whatever. There, but there's, a, there's quite a few similarities between this and Skyfall, even uh, with some of the plot or whatnot. But uh, yeah, what else was there? But yeah, it was interesting that alone. But I think... With Pierce Brosnan, they just go, Goldeneye I love, and then they just get lesser and lesser in order. World's Not Enough is not completely horrible. There's some good ideas in it. I think yeah. the villain, uh, the guy, is really good actor, and like he does an excellent job. But then it's just this, Matt Gorley can't stand it. Uh, like, And he, he is right. Where the opening uh, set piece, the cold open, where it's like all the campy stuff, which is fine with like he's fixing his tie underwater and the boat, jet boat thing is like literally turning on London streets. But then like a little later, it's just like his he's so Pierce is like so serious and like this woman's committing suicide and like it's all this like the tonal shifts in uh this movie really hurt it and then what's her name Denise Richards is it's bad like usually I let bad acting go or don't even notice it that like I'm not that discerning unless it's really bad and it's just like 
the idea that she's a nuclear scientist is like oh it's something special you don't believe she could be a nuclear scientist no i do not <laughs> well you're sexist absolutely <laughs> But uh, okay. a lot of fun. Um. Well, um, sort of related to the British Secret Service, I watched The Queen. Uh, in the wake of Queen Elizabeth's death, it's first one time watch. First time watch. Uh, two thousand six. I'm surprised it's that old, but I had not seen it. And it was one I ended up with the Blu-ray for some reason. It was just like included in a bunch that I bought, I think. Just like I picked up a lot and it was just one of them. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll watch it. Uh, and I I enjoyed it. I thought that uh, the performances were all really good and... I wouldn't have been really interested at the time of all these events happening. It's all about the, uh, funnily enough, Princess Diana's death and the aftermath of that and the, the royal family's uh, actions or lack thereof afterwards and the ridicule and things that they went through and a healthy dose of uh tony blair in this but uh played by what's his name um uh, allow me played by michael sheen uh so he's pretty much the second biggest character after Helen Mirren as the the queen James Cromwell as Prince Philip um I don't really remember anyone else at this point but I just remember thinking the performances were all really good and I was engaged in the story and uh I gave it four stars yeah, I like it quite a bit. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it feels like one of those, it's not a biopic, but one of those like... Yeah, it's just a slice of this period. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting. There's the stuff happening, so it's not just like, and then she did this, and then she became this. And it's just, this is how they dealt with the aftermath. It's like they've already, like... Charles and Diana are divorced. It's like a very short window of time. Yeah. It's like a week or something. So uh, maybe it's longer because it actually starts when he, uh, Tony Blair's elected and then it jumps forward, I think. Unless they happened at the same time and I didn't realize that, but uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it just reminds me of like just watching Apocalypse. We'll get into it, but it's just like when they run into Wolverine there and it's like, well, I hope we don't have to deal with him again or whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I'm sure that's like, it's just like the opposite of that. Like when biopic movies, I feel like do that kind of stuff where it's just like, they got to just like comment on what's occurring. Yeah. 
where it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, I can't think of an example, but. Yeah, they'll be like, well, next thing you're going to tell me that we have to do this. And then it's like, oh, because they are going to have to do that later. <laughs> like, right. yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't really have anything more to say about that, but I thought it was great. Okay. I have two more. I'll uh, do this one. So the breaking point. This was the uh, Michael Curtis, Curtis or Curtis. I don't know. It's what ends with a Z. Uh, the guy that directed Casablanca. Uh, and it's about uh, this fisherman guy. And then he's just getting pushed to the limit where he keeps, he's ha- has debts to pay. He has a wife and two daughters and he's working hard and people just keep screwing him where he, he owes money, but people owe him money and he's getting more and more desperate and gets more and more deep into problems and stuff. But I found it pretty entertaining, not amazing by any stretch. Uh, but like very watchable. He's sympathetic. Uh, some humor in it. Uh, yeah, different time in the world. Definitely, you feel that vibe. Uh, so it's always interesting. But uh, I like. There's something about like black and white movies on the water, <laughs> like daylight or at night. And it's just like the way black and white is filmed on with boats and stuff is, I just think is a interesting look <laughs> in itself. But, uh, I wouldn't say highly recommend to go get out there. I'd give it a three and a half or a four, but probably lean towards more of a three and a half, but, uh, it was still enjoyable. That's good. Um, so I don't have to really go into this, but I did watch civil Captain America, civil war and black Panther for preparation for Wakanda forever. I think I mentioned that. Um, you can, if you so choose, you could probably find five hours of us talking about those movies. Yeah. (laughs) Scroll down. Um, I'll save, yeah, I've watched a bunch of Christmas things. Uh, actually, one thing I will mention, because it was a first-time watch, I watched White Christmas. Uh, also kind of plays in with the war stuff that I was watching, because it starts at the end of the war. Um, and kind of comes full circle around, because uh, the end performance is about... Um, putting on this show for the general or whoever the, I don't know if it was Admiral, General. I think it's General. Um, I thought it was good. The musical numbers are all very good. Uh, 
there's a couple that are repeated and I get why because it's about show business and stuff so it's like yeah that's your song so you do it multiple times but in a movie it's like when you're on the third time hearing a song it's like okay <laughs> I don't need to hear the whole thing again <laughs> uh, and I would have given it a, a higher rating but the thing that bothered me about it was the conflict that happens is the classic sitcom misunderstanding thing. And it's like, if people would just talk and maybe that's the point, but it's, it's one of those things where, uh, or have you seen this before? No. Um, so they're putting on this show. He wants to, kind of advertise or get the message out to some people uh, via a TV show, but someone's overhearing the this phone call, like they're listening on the other line, and they only hear a part of it, and they think that they're going to televise the actual show, and it's going to like bring shame to this general and whatever, and then that person gives this information to someone else and it's like, Oh, they're only going to, they're just trying to get famous or what, whatever they say, like they're just doing it for publicity. And so then her view of, of Bing Crosby is like, Oh, he's just working this angle, but it's like, you got this secondhand information and you didn't ask him if it was true. And then she's all, pissy about it and leaves and it's like nobody knows what's going on it's like well why did her attitude change it's like i don't know we don't talk we just make comments to each other and go about our business and it's like that thing just bothers me where it's like just stop and talk about it like it's, right. it, but it's a movie so it needs the conflict but that kind of just bothered me I had seen a bunch of parts before when brenda had been watching it like i'd seen pretty much the second half and I didn't know what was going on, but it's like, oh, I like the the musical numbers and uh, Danny Kay is a great dancer. And um, who's the girl? Vera Ellen, I guess. Uh, so those two are like the, the good entertainment for dancing. And then Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney are the singers. Uh, and Brenda gave me this little tidbit uh rosemary clooney and vera ellen they play sisters um but even though they both sing it's actually just rosemary clooney's voice twice so she sang for the person playing her sister uh and then apparently on the soundtrack it's different and I don't know if it's a money thing or what, but it's there is someone else's voice for her instead of it being her voice twice. So the soundtrack isn't actually what's in the movie. So it's all weird. So there's a little thing maybe some people don't know. Um, but yeah, I gave it a three and a half. Like it's, it's an easy watch. It's enjoyable. Um, it's funny at times and good uh musical stuff it's not mind-blowing but uh yeah give it a poke that one actually is on trevor's top 100 uh and that was part of it where i said 
um, I'm going to watch this this year. I want to specifically watch it um, so that I can say that I did. And I just noticed, directed by Michael Curtiz. Are you talking about A Wonderful Life? White Christmas. White Christmas, sorry. He also <laughs> directed Adventures of Robin Hood. I've watched... Uh... What did I watch? I've seen parts of White Christmas, but not the whole thing. So yeah. It's funny because there's White Christmas <coughs> where they go to... Uh, in or a hotel in Connecticut, I'm pretty sure is where they are. Right. There's also Holiday Inn, Christmas in Connecticut, and I don't know if he, he's in both. Bing Crosby is in Holiday Inn. It's just funny that they both are about a holiday in <laughs> and then yeah there's i'm pretty sure there's something called christmas in connecticut and it is yeah. different than white christmas <laughs> it's like they all seem to have the same theme going on i'm sure there's other things that fit that but uh that's just what i know What else you got? Uh, I watched, partially inspired by you, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, because I saw you watched it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that reminds me of that movie. I used to, <coughs> I saw it quite a bit in the 90s, I feel like. Uh, made the kids watch some of it. They were engaged a little bit. But then there is a lot of dialogue that was going over their heads. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, I And I feel like it only gets better. Like, I love the courtroom stuff. Yeah. Really, I enjoy that. Like, I love arguing. If you've listened to this show, the uh, line of sight show, you know that. <laughs> so just arguing in general and then arguing about Santa Claus sounds like a good time. Uh, and I think Richard Attenborough is a great Santa Claus and so innocent where it's just like matter of factly, like he's not thinking, he knows he's Santa Claus. So then it's hard for him to even understand what the fuss is in that, like, make this reindeer fly. It's like, well, it only flies on Christmas Eve. Like, that kind of yeah. is like, what are you talking about? Like, he doesn't even feel like his lack of evidence is a problem. Yeah. Kind of, where it's just like, yeah, but it doesn't mean it's, I'm not Santa Claus. I know who I am. So that stuff... I think you had it in your review, but the, and it's okay. I was listening to the Casablanca commentary and just like the definition of a great movie is like having, uh, or one of the things is having like great moments that the deaf girl thing yeah, is amazing. Yeah. Like Sam was, she was on her phone 
but uh, saw that what was happening. <laughs> it's like, uh oh, daddy's gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is like it's beautiful. Like it's a beautiful moment. Uh, so that's all fine. The like the villain stuff is a little like weirdly. It's kind of out of place because everyone else is like genuine. Like it feels too cartoony, almost. The uh, the quote bad guys. Daphne barely says anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I do like that. Like he makes everything happen. They get in the house, all this stuff. I couldn't. I what's the actress's name? The the mom, the redhead. Uh, Elizabeth Perkins. From uh, Flintstones. Flintstones yeah. uh, I couldn't comprehend. Like, I looked it up. How old do you think that actress is <laughs> at that time? So this came out in 94. So how old is she? I, and I guess yeah. this is because I watched it probably in 95-ish when it was on VHS. I'm I'm but, guessing it's going to be younger than I would say, but I have no well, idea. I don't It's funny cuz I know what you're talking about where when you're a certain age, it's like that gap stays the same. So even though right. we're in our 30s now, she still looks older. Yes. So that's my point. I think she, I looked it up and she was 37 or 36, so our age. Yeah. And it's just like, what? Like yeah. she seems like in my brain, it's like, oh, older woman. Yeah. Like she's like almost 50. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was just funny. I was like, how is she only in her 30s? Uh, mid 30s but yeah i guess so because we were the age of the kid right exactly and she's fun too the yeah dope fire kid i like the way I, and i do like yeah I lo- <laughs> that's the thing and i do love that they address it as like talks like a 65 year old yeah. <laughs> yeah that's uh no it's excellent um, I don't know if you would pick her out in a crowd, but I did notice that, uh, his helper elf at the, at the store is Jennifer Morrison. And I don't know wh- what you might know her from, but she was on the show once upon a time and she was on house and she was on, Okay. Is she like the main girl in Once Upon a Time? Yeah, the blonde. Yeah. Um, But sometimes brunette and other things? Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Because I've watched the first season of House and then... Yeah, I forget if she's... Or was it Catherine Heigl that's the first season of House? I don't know. I don't Um, know. But I watched the first season of House and then I never watched... Uh, once upon a time, but Sam did. So yeah, I would see it once in a while. Apparently, she's in Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams movie. I don't know. Yeah, as what 
Um, oh yeah, she was on How I Met Your Mother for a while. But anyway, she's pretty young, but she's uh, the elf, and you barely see her. But I was like, hey, that's so and so. But yeah, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I I gave it a three and a half. Just yeah, some of the campier elements, the um, villain stuff, and. I don't know what else it was that I was kind of like not into, but the courtroom uh, I love, but it is, it, it's shorter than I thought it was. I thought it was longer yeah. and uh, it it's over pretty quickly, but it is also just so Hollywood <laughs> where it's just like a, a zoo, <laughs> like literally they're yeah. bringing in the reindeer and like, just like yeah. surprise witnesses like the guy's yeah. wife and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, lawyers usually have a list of what the witnesses yeah. are. They There's no surprises. Yeah, this is not like, how it really works at all. But yeah, it's more entertaining for the audience. When it's it, like it is pretty entertaining and just... Uh, and like the judge laughing at things and <laughs> I don't yeah, know. And <laughs> even the kid, Daniel, just like, do I have to go to jail now? And like, yeah. there's, it's a, there's a lot of fun in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I like it. I, it's. I don't think it's amazing, but there are definitely. I, I do think. Yeah, Richard Attenborough's one of the best, like wholesome Santas. Although he is very hot tempered, he he's like swinging his cane at the drop of a hat. <laughs> like he's always about to just pummel someone. It seems. Um. He's <laughs> a lot of stress. Yeah. But yeah, that line about reindeer. The only fly is on Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah. The delivery of that is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I wasn't going to go into all the Christmas things I watched. Yeah, uh, you can save those. But uh, let me find... Okay, here another. How many more do you have left? Because I have a. Few. That's it. So let me just say that I could talk to you about all the football I've watched mm-hmm. and hockey. So <laughs> don't need um, to. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> okay, not a lot of new Christmas stuff. We talked about the holiday special, uh, "Trapped in Paradise" is one I watched on Disney Plus. And I have to say, I had to power through it because it was one that I stopped and started a bunch of times just because it was like, oh, I'll just put this on. And I was not into it. But then halfway through, I started to uh, be into it. Uh, Do you know anything about Trapped in Paradise? No. Nicolas Cage, John Lovitz, Dana Carvey, three brothers. Um... John Lovitz and Dana Carvey are released from jail uh, because they're too full and it's Christmas time. So they're just giving out parole to people. Uh, And then based on information they got while they're in the clink, uh, there's this this bank that is an easy target in uh, Paradise, Pennsylvania. And they go there to rob it and then... It's a comedy, obviously, so it's 
things are going wrong and just getting to that point i was like so checked out like the robbery it was just like whatever but it was all the stuff after that i was kind of getting into it um where yeah like just stuff's going wrong and they can't get out of town and they're trying and then they keep running into people and they're being super nice to them and like everyone in the town is so uh kind and whatever and it's the christmas spirit and all this stuff so they eventually spoiler give the money back um and it's like yeah that second half that kind of won me over i still landed on a two and a half uh but dana carvey's character is so not funny and he's doing like a face and a voice the whole time and it's like i know that's like your thing but (laughs) It's just painful. <laughs> like uh, it is. Uh, yeah. Have you ever listened to his, him and David Spade's? I think just the one podcast? episode. Uh, oh yeah, the Jurassic Park World Dominion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, there's a lot of. So it's mostly SNL alumni, but the way everyone praises Dana Carvey. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't, I it, I gotta. Well, I've never seen uh, Wayne's World, so that's a blind spot. But like, it's incomprehensible. I've seen like highlights of his stuff from uh, the show itself, SNL, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I'm not saying he's bad at all, but the way people just like shove their head up his butt yeah with like praise and it's just like i find like sandler and chris farley and even david spade like and uh like who else was there at the time uh what's his name chris farley uh what's a caveman lawyer phil hartman yeah like Kevin These guys Nealon. are way better. Norm McDonald. Like, it's just like, yeah. I don't find church lady that funny. Like, I, it's like, yeah, it's all right. But it's just like, and I think. I think he does like, some good impressions. Like he did oh, George uh, Bush Sr. Yeah. No, that the, his impression stuff is good. And, and like Johnny Carson I, and stuff. Like I, I was just going to say his Johnny Carson, like no one really does a really good one or not that many people have a good one, but he does. And like, I like him figuring out, like him talking about how to figure out doing impressions and like finding the one or two things and like, uh, but like, yeah, like I love him doing Biden and Trump and like, all that kind of stuff I find quite amusing, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not to crap on them. I just don't get, well, and I, I feel like it's kind of fake actually <laughs> the, the super praise for him where it's like, eh, I think you guys are just like blowing smoke up his butt. Well, yeah, especially if he's there, but like one thing literally, I don't know if it was today or yesterday. I was listening to the This Is Important podcast with the Workaholics guys, and they got on to Dana Carvey. I forget why. Oh, uh, Master of Disguise came up. And right. then, 
like they're joking about the turtle stuff and then someone said yeah but seriously that movie sucked and it's like <laughs> they're going into it's like dana carvey like he's a pretty funny guy but no one ever wrote anything funny for him so they're going into like how it's like kind of not kissing his butt but they're saying yeah he's funny but like what has he done that is funny <laughs> so it's nice right. when you get a perspective of someone in the industry and obviously they have no ties to him so they're just talking so it's like oh that's nice and refreshing where they're not just like oh and he was so great and everything he did <laughs> right and that's one thing with like david spade like didn't you just see tommy boy or black sheep yeah, I watched Black Sheep for the and first didn't time. And you think it was that good? No. But Tommy Boy, I, I don't love. Know if, but, right. but, like, David Spade is not... But, like, I like his comedy. Like, his stand-up and, like, his other stuff. Like, just, like, the way he talks. And, yeah. Uh, I love Emperor's like New Groove. On. Oh, yeah. Just shoot me. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. There is... I feel like there are free pass things that like, oh yeah, we just have to say it's good when it's like, they're not that good and they don't have the crazy success that other people have for a reason. Like, yeah, where he has, I guess he does have Wayne's World, but that's, he's secondary. Yeah, he's the sidekick. (laughs) So, yeah. So whatever. Yeah. Um, John Lovitz is underrated, I think. Uh, Not that he's ever like starred in things, but like when he shows up as just like a minor character, like I I like the way he talks and he can be really funny, but he can also go in the David Spade, Dana Carvey way where it's like just obnoxious depending on the writing. But there's some John Lovitz roles that are really good. This one's kind of middle of the road. It's like he's good as the scumbag brother where he's not always funny, but he's just like scheming. So he he's probably the the best of the three. Nick Nicholas Cage is kind of like the the good son, but he's still part of the robbery, but he's like the moral compass. So he's obviously he's the main character. But John Lovitz, I think, was pretty good. But yeah, I like when he shows up in other things. I think he can be really funny. Yeah, no, the John Lovitz, uh, just listening to him be interviewed and stuff, and like, yeah, he's in that case where it's just like, I don't know, like, yeah, like I like his. There's certain people that like are obnoxious, but like. They that I feel like that's kind of their personality coming through. Yeah. Where I think he he could be obnoxious, but like it's an act, so you enjoy it. Where uh, like I don't know, they're just like David Spade would be like he'd call up and like say something. It's like I'm going to the L.A. Lakers game tonight. Courtside tickets. Jealous. Yeah, <laughs> and like just like stuff like that, like teasing people and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, sounds good stuff. Uh, have you seen the wedding singer? Yeah, but just 
maybe once or twice I, at most. I love his character in that where he's the competing wedding singer, right. but he's like all flashy. And then uh, Drew Barrymore is like, well, you just convinced me to hire a DJ. Well, good luck finding a DJ who can move and shake like this. <laughs> and then Adam Sandler sings his depressing song and he's like, he's losing his mind and I'm reaping all the benefits. And then he like slowly moves the curtain in front of his face. It's, it's the best. It's one of the best parts of the whole movie. And <laughs> just because the way John Lovitz does it. Uh, yeah. So that is something that takes place in Christmas. Hadn't seen before. It is not, I don't, I don't know. I thought it was more of a classic to some people. Um, you would like it even less than Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. Uh, it's from 94, though. One of the greatest years of cinema. Well, just that time period is great. Um, uh, but new, this is one of the last ones here. Uh, from 2022, uh, Brenda and I watched Spirited. The Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell, um, how do they describe it? Um, oh, Letterboxd doesn't have that description. There's one, I think maybe on IMDb, talking about an updated, a musical version of Charles Dickens' story of a miserly misanthrope who is taken on a magical journey. That doesn't really... Uh, sum it up it is a take on uh, a Christmas Carol but I don't know if this is spoiling it because it obviously doesn't go into detail of what it is there but what it is is uh, it's kind of unique um, kind of like how other movies show Santa and the North Pole being like this whole big production where you don't see the behind the scenes Kind of like the the Santa Claus and that stuff. Um, so this is every year there's someone who's haunted by the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, future, in hopes that their life is turned around and they make a difference in the world. And uh, so it's this industry that's been going on for hundreds of years. So uh, Ryan Reynolds gets targeted for the the next year and um will ferrell is the ghost of christmas present and he ends up really meddling in with things and he's kind of the main ghost uh for the, the thing so it's got the setup for it and then it's got the actual haunting and and all this and uh, I thought it was a pretty unique idea. I didn't think I was even going to like this going into it. I was just watching it because it's the new thing and I wanted to see how bad it was. Because um, it's like I'm on the fence uh, with Ryan Reynolds. Some things I, I do really like him in, but then sometimes him just being Ryan Reynolds is a little annoying. But I had no problem with him in this, even though I'm seeing a lot of reviews, people just saying, oh, another Ryan Reynolds just being Ryan Reynolds. 
But the thing that elevates this is the musical aspect of it. musicals in this like it is full-on like ensemble cast background dancers and like the music is really good and if it wasn't for that it would be an okay movie but that made it great for me I loved it um there were two big twist things that I saw coming and the fact that I knew what was going to happen didn't ruin anything. It was just like, oh, I bet this is going to happen. And then it did. And so it was like more of a, oh, I can pat myself on the back rather than just being smug about it. Like, this is too predictable. It's like, no, I, I still enjoyed that little twist and I saw it coming and that's it. So, um, yeah, I, without going too much into it, that's, that's kind of my take is, if you like musicals and dancing, it's awesome. Uh, I like Will Ferrell most of the time. These days, I don't watch everything he's in, so I don't really know really his current track record, but I liked him in his heyday. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds, I'm kind of on the fence. I do like some things, but I haven't seen Free Guy. I'm not going to watch just anything that comes out, but for a Christmas movie... This was quite good. I think you should watch Free Guy. It's probably not as good. I think I gave it a three and a half or maybe even higher. Maybe I was hyped up. But uh, it's not horrible. There's elements in it that are entertaining enough. Uh, I saw, I guess, promoting this, Will Ferrell on uh, Fallon on YouTube. And... Like him describing like a Christmas uh, village. I should find that clip. That felt like old time Will Ferrell. Like how like he speaks and stuff. And it was like I was laughing at his uh, cadence and how he delivered it. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, That reminded me somehow of this... A Christmas party going on um, and it's p- kind of fun because it's a costume party and everyone's dressed as different Christmas movie characters and some of them they draw attention to some of them it's just like if you know it you know it if you don't they don't say like oh hi so and so like it's just one guy's talking to him and he's dressed as the heat miser which I don't even think I've seen what that one is from but it's like one of those claymation uh specials and then there's just like other people like you see a ralphie in the bunny suit or something like that in the background but then there's a a very uh i thought it was fine i I didn't like groan at it but uh later on you do you see someone as buddy the elf and comes face to face with Will Ferrell and he's like, you look stupid or something like that. <laughs> it's like, ha that's, that's you. <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, check it out. It's it's on Apple TV, so I don't have Apple TV. I pirated it or my brother-in-law hosted it on Plex. So otherwise I wouldn't have watched it. Uh, so that's how I checked it out. Um, I think the only other thing I didn't mention, uh, uh, there's really two, one's not really worth mentioning, uh, but I will both on the same day. This was on my birthday actually. So I watched with my daughter, something called true heart. It was on Tubi (laughs) and it stars Kirsten Dunst and, Zachary Ty Bryan, who is uh, Brad from Home Improvement. So that's why I watched with her. She likes Brad. And what's this guy's name? August Schellenberg, who is Randall from, or Randolph. Is it Randolph from Free Willy? As uh, Love him. the standard wise old Indian. Um, and. It's about uh, the two kids, Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst and Zachary Ty Bryan. I think they're twins even. They're in a, a small plane that crashes in uh, BC. So they're in the, the Rockies and uh, it's a survival movie. It's, it is like a family movie, so it's not like hardcore or anything, but they run into Randall <laughs> Randolph uh, and he's like their guide through the woods and then there's a whole poaching plot of like oh yeah those men there they poach the bear and there's a whole thing with this bear and uh it saves them at some point and i don't know there's just running around the woods bears poachers and indians and uh the only reason it is worth mentioning the soundtrack for this goes so hard (laughs) it is awesome like uh it's all like native chanting and drums and stuff but it's like i immediately listened to the soundtrack after watching this movie i was like that music was actually really good and like I'll put on music while I'm in the shower or whatever. And I put that on. I'm like, this is actually awesome. (laughs) Like it wasn't just a false memory from two minutes ago. It was like, no, yeah, that was awesome music and uh, worth mentioning. So I can play some of that on this podcast just so people know how good True Hearts music is. Uh, And then in the evening... Uh, with Brenda, we watched The Meaning of Life for my birthday. First time watch of that, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Oh, right. uh, this movie's nuts. Uh, the Holy Grail was is on my top 100. This has like similar humor, but it's more like their show, I guess, because it's just a bunch of kind of skits strung together with a loose uh, narrative of the meaning of life even though they even reference that like halfway through where they're like they haven't really talked about what the meaning of life is yet have they and like stuff like that but it kind of goes through 
what life is because it starts with like birth and then growing up and learning things and whatever so kind of rather than it being about the meaning of life it's more just about uh the process of life um but it, there are some like extremely funny things there's a lot of really dumb things a lot of gross things <laughs> um i don't know if you're aware of like the the fat guy in this i was kind of i was aware of it before going into it do you know about I, the giant like fat man i know a monty python thing where someone explodes because they're eating so much yeah so he's huge and he's just eating and that's in this that's in this because i i always just assumed it was one of the clips no it's well maybe i don't know if they just reused they, it but yeah. it's into this and then he but he's always throwing up like before he even starts eating he's just like puking into this bucket and it's just like spraying but then mm -hmm. after so he eats this giant meal and then like the guy the maitre d or whatever it's like oh have this wafer or this thin mint he's like oh no i can't i'm stuffed it's like it's just a thin little mint and then that that's a, the thing that when he eats that he explodes and then when he explodes, then like everyone in the restaurant starts throwing up and like Brenda's like, yeah, I was just out. Like, I can't even look at this. <laughs> like, it's pretty nasty. Um, and yeah, there's other uh, crazy things uh, with like, um, well, they <laughs> one of the earlier things is... Uh, uh, talking about like Catholics and birth control or lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's like, I was laughing at that scene where it's like the guy comes home and his house is just full of kids. Now whose tea time is it? Now, uh, Vincent, Tessa, Valerie, Janine, Martha, Andrew, Thomas, Walter, Pat, Linda, Michael, Evadne, Alice, Dominic, and Sasha, it's your bedtime. Aww. Now, don't argue. Laura, Alfred, Nigel, Annie, Simon, and... Wait. I've got something to tell the whole family. Oh, quick, go and get the others in, Gordon. The mill's closed. There's no more work. We're destitute. <laughs> Come in, my little loves. I've got no option but to sell you all for scientific experiments. No, oh, no, that's the way it is, my loves. Blame the Catholic Church for not letting me wear one of those little rubber things. And there's, like, that joke goes on for a little too long, but, like, there was things in that that I was just, I thought it was hilarious. Because um, I think even the, the wife, like, gives birth while she's, like, washing dishes or something. It just pops out <laughs> or something. It's like, oh, pick that up off the floor, would you? Uh, so, yeah, funny things, but also, like, I don't know. You have to be in the right mood. But also, the opening is, like, a whole other movie. And I feel like it goes on for 20 minutes, like, maybe 15. But, like, it's, there's no, like, jokes even. Like, the the concept of it is a bit of a joke. But, like, it's this thing where I think they even... Uh, preface it with saying like this is uh the short before the feature and then it's like this um 
I don't know, like office building and all these old men doing accounting or something and they revolt against the younger people that are running the company and then they turn the building into this pirate ship and they sail across the sea and go to America and they start like pirating other buildings and it's like, it's not that funny, but if it was like, if this was a movie in itself, I would think it's awesome. Like it was actually like a cool concept, but it's in the it's at the beginning of a Monty Python movie. So you're expecting it to go somewhere and be funny, but it really never is. So it's just like, it's this weird thing that you have to get through before you get to the actual movie. And I'm on the fence about it where it's like, it's kind of awesome, but also kind of pointless. It comes back later as like a little joke, but like, I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) It's very, it's like, it's the most Terry Gilliam thing I've ever seen is that little part. Like I haven't seen a lot of his other movies, um, like other non Monty Python movies. Like I've seen Brazil and I think that's it. But like the things I know about other ones, is they're all pretty crazy. Oh, he did spies like us, but that doesn't feel like this. But anyways, it's, it's nuts. This first like 15 minutes of like, whatever and feels like that is not a great foot to step on or start the journey on so anyways i gave uh i gave that a three and a half um because i thought it was very very funny but there's a lot holding it back (laughs) so (laughs) i think brenda was not as uh kind to it she gave it a two and a half. So that was my birthday. <laughs> Those two movies. <laughs> two winners. Um, and yeah, I think uh, other than just a ton of other rewatch Christmas stuff and other line of sight stuff. Oh, uh, well, I skipped over one war thing. Uh, I should mention Passchendaele. Have you, mm. have you heard of that one? It's a Canadian World War... With the guy from Tr- Do South? <clears throat> yeah, which is now on Netflix, I think. Okay. Uh, I watched the first episode, which isn't the pilot, which is really frustrating. Oh, Do South is? Yeah. Oh. I love Do South. Where's that? I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix that I was watching it. Okay, I'm going to check this out. But yeah, the... this was one of those things when like it came out on DVD that I n- never bought, but it was like, I gotta buy this. I remember loving. Yeah, South. I yeah, that was a a family show we would watch for sure. It's like, oh, do South is on, and we'd all watch that. But yeah, Paul Gross is uh, the star director, probably writer of Passchendaele. Um, yeah. And it shows. Oh boy, does it show. (laughs) He's just like, I'm going to be war hero, man. And, uh, the beginning does not feel like World War One. Um, it feels a little too World War Two-ish for some reason. Uh, so it's a little battle at the beginning and then he's wounded and comes back home and then uh 
there is a long stretch before he goes back and it's all well let me tell you so when i i don't know what i was seeing at the time that this was in theaters but i ran into someone uh they were coming out of passchendaele and i said oh so how was it and their almost exact words were too much passion not enough dale (laughs) and watching it i'm like that is exactly what it is it's like this romance and it's like too much drama going on not enough war stuff drags on paul gross is a good looking guy and he just wants to be action hero man in this and it's i don't know that's what it is it's the most like over the top uh ridiculous ending of like him being a hero (laughs) it's so stupid actually uh i gave it a two and a half it's like i appreciate some things in it but like the story is actually fairly good but it takes way too long uh and yeah i don't know it's too little too late and the ending kind of brought it down i was i was being a little more favorable to it and then something happens and i'm like oh my goodness you wrote this for yourself. Um, so I don't really recommend it. Uh, if you're a Paul Gross diehard, you maybe have already seen it. But uh, <laughs> I also have Men with Brooms, uh, which is a curling movie that he's in and directed. Yeah. I started watching it and I never finished it. Uh, not because of quality just whatever else um i should get back to that one remember the yeah the guy in uh men with brooms the older guy there was that uh what's his name rich rick mercer yeah He, he had a show called made in canada yeah talking about dvd that's something I want, but apparently they say it never will be because of music rights or something. Oh, yeah. I loved Made in Canada. That's there, an amazing show. I remember show. watching a couple, and it was funny. Like it was before The Office or anything, and it was not like the exact same, but no laugh track, very dry, and dry, very and dry. talking to the camera, and yeah, uh, yeah, and some of the actors in it, like. Yeah, it it was really good and just kind of poking fun at the TV industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, made in Canada. I'd love to see somewhere. Hopefully, streaming is it's a big comeback. Because you would think that like Rick Mercer should have some pull to get stuff like that out there, but I don't know. Oh, Canada. Yeah. So, yeah, Passchendaele, I think that was the last war thing I watched um, for November. I do still want to watch that uh, Joya Noël. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. Well, that's a perfect one for bridging November and Christmas. I think... I felt like there was maybe one that did have something in it. Uh, well, I guess White Christmas is kind of what I was thinking, where it's they're celebrating Christmas uh, 
on the front right. at the beginning. But uh, yeah, so yeah, we're into Christmas now. I'm there's not a lot that's not Christmas that I've been watching, um, but among that is X Men. <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix coming at you next week with special guest Steve. And I think Dark Phoenix is new is first time watch for us. I don't think it is for Steve though. So no. I'm sure he mentioned it on the last show. So everyone knows we just don't remember. Um so yeah, tune in for that. Both available on Disney Plus. And uh, anything else you'd like to add? Nope. I think that's it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's it. Shut her down. Uh, thanks Shut for her listening, down. and enjoy the True Heart soundtrack. Ah!